Welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordan Searles. I'm Kyle Calgren. And this week we are doing a movie that is thought to be bad, but I have decided is actually good, which is the 2000 Bedazzled remake, directed by Harold Ramis, with a screenplay by Ramis, Larry Gelbart, and Peter Tolan. We are also eating popcorn. Yes. Which is going to be great audio. Mm-hmm. Mm. But this is great popcorn, though, and I think it really adds to the movie atmosphere. <laughs> I wonder why more movie podcasts don't do this. Probably for sound reasons. Talk with their mouth full? Yeah. So, <laughs> Bedazzled. Oh. You probably remember it from cable. It used to play on E a lot. I don't know if it ever made it to the TBS rotation, but... It's known for being a bad movie. Supposedly. Supposedly. And so when I rewatched it, I just assumed that it would be bad. But it actually serves as a great critique of most of the rom-coms that we've covered directed by men starring men. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of those films, um, She's Out of My League, um... Why am I blanking on everything except she's out of my league? She's out of my league is, I guess, the one that really upsets me. But, you know, there were a lot of, like, male-centric rom-coms about just, like, a dude trying to find a girl. And a lot of them are sexist, racist, fatphobic, and what all of those What can I things. do to change myself to make her love me and that sort of thing? Like, stalking, like, you know. Oh, there's something about Mary. There's something about Mary as another one. And the great thing about... The mask, the- I suppose, in a, in a metaphoric way. We haven't covered it, but yeah. I, yeah. Um, so a lot of the time, Bronwyn and I talk about how men are really bad at directing rom-coms. And I mean, there are exceptions to that, like Rob Reiner with When Harry Met Sally and things like that. But there's always just this sense of the woman as an idea... Or women as depicted as a completely different species for men. Yeah. And both of these approaches are wrong. And Bedazzled pokes fun at all of that really smartly. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. We haven't described the plot of Bedazzled yet, have we? All in good time, honey. All right. All right. So Bedazzled, it stars Brendan Fraser, Elizabeth Hurley... Francis O'Connor, who was very big in the late 90s and early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Orlando Jones, Toby Huss, and a collection of other characters. Yeah. Okay, so what's the plot, honey? Um, Brendan Fraser, you know, he's down on his luck, dweeby, not sure of himself, you know, you know, just, you know, wispy beta male Brendan Fraser. He's the guy in the office that everyone avoids and everyone doesn't like, which is weird because, like, he's tall and hot and has a sexy voice, and it really doesn't make sense. Like, he's friendly, but he's socially awkward, but... um, He's just dorky. You know, classic movie comedy character. I mean, this is the guy that played Dudley Do-Right, George of the Jungle, and whatever character he is playing in Blast from the Past, which we will probably do on that show. (laughs) 
Have you seen Blast from the Past? I have. Oh, yeah, I have many yeah. times. He always like plays a character that is naive but sweet, and I think that that's a really interesting approach for him. And I think that if he had come out now, he would probably be more snarky. But I guess maybe part of it is just that he's so tall. And like, so if he was depicted as someone who is just like a super masked bro, he would actually be pretty imposing. So maybe mm-hmm. they're trying to avoid that. Well, I don't know. Um, the GQ piece uh, that was circulating about him a while back, um, which. Really, really sad um, life. I mean, he just did so many of his own stunts, and it took a toll on his body, and it just made him unable to work for a long time. And on top of that, he went through a divorce, and his mom went through, and his uh, his mom died. And uh, the last couple of years, he's just been unable to act. Um, and it's a shame, because watching this movie, which I hadn't seen... It, um, I definitely remember Brendan Fraser a lot. I watched George of the Jungle a lot as a kid on VHS... Um, it's a real shame because the guy had talent, but I just don't think Hollywood at that time had no idea what to do with him. I mean, he's back to acting now. Thankfully, he is. But he is. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he has the kind of body and the kind of like attitude that would be, you mentioned this, that would be great for a Marvel movie. Oh yeah. I just kept thinking, um, of a proto Chris Hemsworth when I looked at him in this movie. Totally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, The plot, which I uh, failed to describe. Uh, Brendan Fraser wants a girl whose name I forget. Um, Allison? Good. I don't know. Her name is Allison, played by Frances O'Connor. Her name is Allison, played by Frances O'Connor, and he wants her. And then he meets the devil. He meets the devil, played by Elizabeth Hurley. Played by Elizabeth Hurley wonderfully. She She is fantastic <laughs> just, in this. Just, her gag is that every scene she's in, she's doing something hilariously evil. And just, I love her, like, different red dresses. I love <laughs> that she's just, like, really hot. Like, it's like, of course, the devil is hot. And yes. also, we find out in this movie that God is a nice black man. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah, sure, that makes sense. Uh, before Bruce Almighty did it. If I remember correctly. That's yeah. true. I mean, and it's a co- completely different kind of black man, too. Yeah. Like, he has cornrows, but he's just, like, a nice, like, he seems like somebody you meet who, like, him in writes prison. poetry. Yeah. yeah. Which, of course, is where God would be, I feel. Probably. Um, uh, yeah. So, Francis O'Connor, if we, we're probably going to talk a lot about Brendan Fraser in this, but I feel like it's important to talk about Francis O'Connor, because mm-hmm. she's one of those actresses that had a moment and... A lot of people don't remember her now. And she also was in a lot of things that were kind of messy. Like she was in The Queen of the Damned, which is a movie where she acts alongside Aaliyah. And so no one, nobody remembers her. They remember mm-hmm. Aaliyah. Uh, she was in a Mansfield Park adaptation that a lot of people don't like. Um, she was in Bedazzled, which you know, hear this movie, which a lot of people don't like. Timeline, another movie that a lot of people don't like. It seems like... Ooh, that other Michael Crichton book. It seems like she just unfortunately ended up in a lot of things that people don't like. She has been recently in the show Shameless, and she was very good in it, though she wasn't, she was very underused, but she Mm -hmm. was in it for a little bit. Uh, So, at least I hope that was her in Shameless. What if I'm wrong? Uh, (laughs) That'd be bad. Uh, So, 
but the one major thing that she's in, the thing that I think that she's remembered the most for, even though I think it's by people who don't remember her name, I think people remember the performance, not her name, is she is the mommy and artificial intelligence. She is the mom right. that Haley Joel Osment desperately wants her love. That's that I think for me is her biggest role because that yeah. is most what I associate her with. Cause I'm on the record for being an artificial intelligence defender. I think that AI is a great movie and I've loved it my entire life. And yes, Chris Rockbot is a problem, but you know what? <laughs> <laughs> What other movie oh, can wow. you think of that has a Chris Rock bot? Like, we're never going to see that There's gotta again. There's got to be more than one movie with a Chris Rock bot. It's so weird. And he's, like, telling jokes before, like, he gets murdered, I feel. Mm, oh, I forgot that part. It has been a while since I've seen AI. Um, I love AI. I would love to watch that with you. But anyway, uh, tangent. Brendan Fraser has met the devil. Um... And the devil offers him a classic Faustian deal. I will give you the woman of your dreams in exchange for your soul. And he... And six, seven wishes. Seven wishes. So combination Faust story and genie wish parable. And the first wish is wasted in the funniest way. Like, he wants her to prove that she can grant wishes. <laughs> and so he asks her for a Big Mac and a Coke. And then they get in, get on the bus, go to the... It's like shown in real time. Go to the McDonald's. He pays for it. And, and she's just like, that was your wish. I brought that to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is the kind of devil we're dealing with. It, it's, a, it's great. Um, okay, so that's wish one. Wish two... Um, it's like a really dumb... Um, he wants to be rich and powerful and married to Allison. Yeah, rich, powerful, yeah, with classic genie wish parable set up. It's nebulous enough to be interpreted loosely. And so he wakes up in a gigantic uh, via somewhere in, in Latin America. He speaks Spanish all of a sudden, and he is a Colombian drug lord whose wife and, despises him because he is a Colombian drug lord. Yeah, and she's, like, fucking her English tutor. Yes. <laughs> oh, God, there's a great joke. Um, can you tell me uh, what you can say in English? Yes, I can say, I am happying to be in Los Angeles nowing, or something like that. Sorry, I keep on moving my mouth from the mic every single time that I'm eating popcorn, so I need Kyle to fill it in when I'm not doing that, because I'm really, yeah. really hungry. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's a classic kind of devil thing, where it's like, if you're if you're not specific, you could get basically anything. Mm -hmm. And he's so stupid that he keeps on being unspecific. And essentially, mm -hmm. like, it's through dealing with the pain of these wishes that he learns that he's an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Or like he wants stupid asshole things. Um, it's it's, it's yeah. very interesting because it's like a great thing to kind of like, I think it would be a great thing to kind of like put men through, honestly. Like I feel mm -hmm. like all men need to see Bedazzled because it just makes all of their kind of like, all of their kind of like wishes and their ideas of women wrong. Cause it's like, 
oh, he wishes that he could be married to this woman. And Mm -hmm. that's so, you know, and then he wishes that she loves him. And it's like love can be interpreted in so many different ways. Yep. Yep. So there's just so much like really interesting conflict and expectation and considering women, like seeing women as objects. Mm hmm. And he, like, through everything, he just learns that he essentially learns that he cannot control her, even through wish form. He cannot control Allison. Uh Uh-huh. Which is something that men really need to learn. Don't you think so, honey? Yes, I do. Do you have any thoughts on, like, in terms of critique? Because I feel like everybody's seen this movie, um, so I don't Mm want to necessarily go through the entire plot, but I do want to know your thoughts, like, as a man watching the movie. My thoughts as a man watching a movie were that Brendan Fraser has really good uh, characters. He should have been on SNL, but wasn't. Not that, honey. We're going to get to that later. I mean, I'm working through the dumb stuff, the obvious stuff, so I can get to the uh, deep soul bearing stuff because (laughs) this is hard for me, honey. Okay. (sighs) This is hard for me. Um, Hmm. Uh. Wish fulfillment. I mean, he does do a lot of basic uh, dumb guy things. I want money. I want power. I want to be married to someone. Um, I want to be sensitive. I want to um, be all these things for someone. And um, Okay, so, oh, I should point out that I totally mixed up Frances O'Connor with another white woman from this era for a few of my examples, and this is a great example of just, like, I'm black, leave me alone. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, the actress who was in Queen of the Damned and Shameless was Marguerite Moreau. (laughs) And I I mix her in... Francis O'Connor up all the time. I've been mixing them up my entire life. So sorry <laughs> to uh, the Margaret Moreau, Francis O'Connor stands. Um, at least I got AI correct. I feel like I, I got one. I got I got one. I got I got most of them correct except for those last two. I don't know. They're they're the same flavor of white woman. Look them up and put their photos together. I don't oh I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> oh my god. But I mean, I think that that also points to something really interesting about this movie. And it's that in each version of in each like wish reality, mm-hmm. Allison looks completely different. But yet there's still we still know nothing about her by the end. Yeah. Actually, how much do we know about him? Um, Not much at all. Like we don't know about anything about his family or uh, what does he do for a job? Like he has a generic office job well it's not really about that it's like about it's kind of like a self-insert thing like it's like what if you the regular joe like had this like i think he's supposed to be a cypher and i'm not sure if harold ramis like specifically um you know i don't know if he meant this as to be a critique of men or he just like happened upon it (laughs) on accident men because we can make it one well, no, I mean, it's a critique of men because it is like okay. the thing that saves him is putting him is putting someone else before him. Mm-hmm. So I think that there is definitely some kind of signif- 
signification that his selfishness put him in this situation. And also, in the end, he falls in love with a woman who looks just like Allison, who Mm -hmm. he actually has things in common with, which underlines the fact that he was only into Allison for her looks and knows nothing about her. True. True. I think that we had a similar conversation that you're having now in a similar tone in when we discussed there's something about Mary. And I kind of thought that in the gap of time that you'd be more comfortable talking about this. <laughs> um, about what men want out of women? Yes. Or, well, um, it, it feels weird just talking about, you keep saying as a man, what do you think of, this as a man and I don't know how to respond that way I mean I don't think that men are monolithic but I do think that you know there are certain experiences as a woman that we can all relate to like you know Bronwyn and I can relate to people calling out to us on the street people imagining things about us people having sex to us instead of with us like there are certain you know, things that are inherent to being a woman or experiences, at least, that women, we all tend to share. And it seems like you kind of have a whole thing where you don't want to be part of this this monolithic of male experience. And I'm not really asking you to, but I am asking you to, you know, be able to talk about those generalizations, those general experiences and those general thoughts and I think it is actually a really good thing for men to do that because I think a lot of the time men like, and we see this with this Brendan Fraser character, they think that they're better than other men. They think I'm more sensitive. I'm going to treat her right. Whoever she's with is an asshole. I can do it. Or I'm not like other men. I don't act this way. And I think that while, while I think that women kind of generally or at least we try to uh, relate to each other in a communal sense, as a communal experience of what we all do. I noticed that men, especially really sensitive and sweet ones like you, kind of um, like com- kind of like communicate in a way where you do that by separating yourself from other men. Am yeah. I am I off base here? You're you're not off base at all. Um. I don't know. I don't. Men don't talk about communal male experiences, um, at least in person to each other. Well, that's um, what a lot of these movies are And the are people about. who do talk about, you know, communal male experiences are usually uh, dipshits who hate women. Well, I don't know. I mean, I get what you mean. Like, for example, I really, really like Jersey Shore. And I think that actually the Jersey Shore crowd would get a lot of get a lot from this movie too at least especially when they were younger but the thing about Jersey Shore is that there's a lot of communal male bonding and i think that that's what i love so much about it because these men are like talking about their feelings and i mean of course they do like funny things like they tan a lot you know gtl gym tan laundry and all of that stuff and all of that kind of memeable stuff but so much of Jersey Shore it's just like men talking about how women make them feel and uh-huh. it's it's like it doesn't and of course it comes off like dude bro and shit but there's still 
like I enjoy kind of peeling back those layers of like what they're trying to play up. Like sometimes when I notice like the situation has been dealing with addiction and, you know, getting sober and stuff and like, now he mostly and there's a great thing in like Jersey Shore family vacation where um, the situation doesn't drink or do drugs anymore. So he just like eats a lot. And he talks about that. He talks about like how, well, I can't get drunk right now. Let's get some food. And like he gets really into cooking and stuff like that. So it's like, I guess I have a lot of patience for like the bullshit like, I think it's really easy to make fun of Jersey Shore, but there's so much insight into the way that men think on that show. And I learned so much from it. And so I'm not afraid of that. But I haven't engaged with that. And ultimately, the the way men think. You need to lean further into the mic, honey. The way men think. <clears throat> the way men think uh, on Jersey Shore now, they're they're men on Jersey Shore. I'm pretty sure. What I'm, does that mean? I'm not like. I don't consider myself like the men on Jersey Shore. Why not? Because men don't like to be like other men. So. So it's difficult for you to even entertain the idea? I'm saying... No. Honey. I'm saying... Um, it, it's ingrained in us. It's... Um, it's just... It's part of masculinity. It's part of um, how we're raised. Like, like we're trying to see men as kind of a pe- potential threat to us. As rivals? What? Are you asking me a question? I'm no, I'm saying I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm phrasing it like a question because I'm not sure of what I'm saying, and I really okay. thought this episode was going to be about you know how good of a comedian Brendan Fraser is. I mean, and, Brendan Fraser is amazing comedian, and like and I don't so know the parallels to Faust that we could talk about. Um, right, and we can talk about that, but I think that. It's important to talk about it in these terms because I'm coming at it as part of the canon of romantic comedies. And I'm saying that most of the criticism that we have about these films about men is the way that they imagine women and generally their fear of women and also their fear of vulnerability about talking about their feelings, not only with women, but with other men. So I think that it's, I think that it's all relevant here. Okay. Okay. What are you afraid of saying? I don't know. What do you want me to say? I don't want you to say anything in particular. I just want you to be honest. I I am being honest. I don't know what I can say. I don't know how I can verbalize it for this podcast. And I don't want to um, misrepresent myself or misspeak um, because I am being recorded and the, we do have an audience and right. But like, there's nothing wrong with vulnerability on a podcast. And I don't think that there's really anything that you can say that's going to make you look bad. Honey, I'm not worried about being vulnerable. I'm not worried. I'm worried about being wrong. It's okay to be wrong. <laughs> your thought. And besides your thoughts can't be wrong. 
It's not possible. Yeah, yeah, they can. If you're working through, okay, let me put it Sick. this. Let me let me put it through this way. If you're working through your thoughts with the understanding that you could be wrong or could be right, you're just spitballing. There's no way that you can be wrong because you are not assuming that you are right. Okay. So. So. Um. What was the question again? We're gonna get more into this when we do hall pass. So I mean, oh, I'm sure. So I, I mean, I know, I know. So uh. I mean, <laughs> I just think that bedazzled would be an easy thing because it's like a wish fulfillment story. Yeah, um, but like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> it just seems like you're, honey, this uh, this is hard. This is very hard. Really? Why is it hard? This is a therapy session that is Why? being recorded. Wait, what are you talking about? I, didn't, I don't. Uh, I don't understand why it's hard. Um. Okay, sorry. Can you can you rephrase the question? What are we talking? What are we talking about? I was asking. I mean, I was just asking you to talk about the film as a man, like from a male perspective, thinking about your interactions with other men, men that you know, and the way that they've acted. Like, I just want you to think about like your real life interactions with men and how that relates to this film. And I mean, I could talk about my opinion of men all the time, but you're at a better vantage point to evaluate that. I don't think much about my interactions with other men. Um, I do think a lot about my own stupid wishes, wish fulfillment fantasies. Like what? Um, like being rich and powerful and having the love of an amazing woman. But, you know, I, I have one of those at least. So you think so. about, thank you, honey. So you think uh, about being rich and powerful? No, no, but not specifically, but every, um, of being stronger than you are, having more agency than you do, of having more of an effect on the world than you already do, of being more desirable, more, um, approachable, funny, yada, yada, yada. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Stupid wish fulfillment fantasies. Everyone has them. I, I don't guess. think that they're stupid, but. Okay, so let's go through the Brendan Fraser's witches. Witches. His wishes. Yes. Um, so first he says that he wants to be rich and powerful and married to Allison. And that makes him a drug lord. Then he says that he wants to be the most sensitive man, the most emotionally sensitive man in the world. And that makes him a guy who can't stop crying at the sunset to have a full conversation with his girlfriend. It should be noted that he does this entire scene uh, with pale, freckled makeup on, a red wig, and green eye contacts. He's just a sensitive ginger. Yes, he is in ginger face. Thank you for saying it so I didn't have to. <laughs> um, and then I think he... He then wishes to do something really important, to be rich and powerful, have a bunch of fans, and, you know, be impressive to Allison. And that is when he becomes 
my favorite character that he plays, <laughs> which is the basketball player. The seven foot something basketball player. With the tiny dick. Yes, that's the that's the hitch in the witch. The <laughs> the hitch in the wish. The hitch in the wish. Okay. The hitch in the wish. Do you have <laughs> so do you want to do an impression of him as the basketball player? Oh uh, yeah, well yeah, we uh, you know, we get out there, we you know, get it hundred and ten percent. Um, you just got to get out there when you're doing it, you got to really do it all the way, you know, not halfway all the way, you know, no half measures. Uh, and, you know, like coach says, um, give it 110%, you know, you got to work good and you play yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. I got to work good, play good. Yeah. You work good, play hood, uh, uh ride him and chide him, wine him and dine him. Um, uh, get that, get that good rubber in its hole. Um, yeah, get it against the glass and in that hoop. Yep, that's that's what the game's about. That's get it's getting the ball in the basket. It's you know why it's called basketball. This isn't what he says. I'm just doing a whole new character Mm now. Anyway, that is my impression of his character. Um, let me see. What are his other? Because I know there's the the one where he's gay, but I want (laughs) to. I I love gay Brendan Fraser. Gay, elegant, like out of a Whit Stillman movie or something, Brendan Fraser. <laughs> or like he he plays the kind of character that that would be in a Woody Allen movie that Woody would feel like jealous of because he's all waspy and um, successful or something like that. <laughs> okay. Um Yeah, so he is like a famous writer that talks about <laughs> Why does the existential dilemma have to be so darn bleak? His novel, which he just published, is called Always Toujours, which is French for always, always. That is all. Yeah, so he becomes a very fancy intellectual at cocktail parties, and then he takes Allison home. And then Toby Huss is there in yep. in an amazing wig. Yep. I just their interaction just made me want to see a whole like scene with them just you know working out their their issues. Yeah. Okay, so basketball player, drug lord, super sensitive boy, gay boy. I feel like we're missing one. Uh that's four. Um fifth is the Big Mac. But he gets seven wishes. So the, so we know what the we know the last wish is because that's where he really learns his lesson. But. Yes. Uh, by the way, I believe in Goethe's retelling of uh, a Faust, it was the um, it was that same loophole that gets him into heaven. He cares for a sick person. He is a doctor after all. Faust cares for a sick person, and that person happens to be an angel who tells him that when he he acts uh, selflessly for another, that soul will belong to heaven. I remember that from the Wishbone episode. Ah, yes. The Wishbone episode. (laughs) Just didn't want to make myself sound too smart. Okay, now I'm trying to figure out which one. Okay. Um, (laughs) Secular humanism is yummy. (laughs) Right. Oh, man, I can't believe he says that. Um, Mm. He does a wonderful job with dialogue meant to imitate a smart person written by a dumb person. 
It's just, it was wonderful. Oh, I just, I just, I looked through my notes and I figured out the, the last character that he plays. Oh. Oh, right. Abe Lincoln right before he dies. He wished, yes, right. He wishes to be president. He wishes to become president of the United States. And she turns him into Lincoln the night he goes out to see our American cousin at Ford's Theater. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a really short one, but that one's really, really funny. It's it's great. They they put a lot of effort into it. Um, But it just, yeah, it just makes every wish that he asks for it to seem stupid. Because it's like, you're not going to be the most sensitive man in the world. You're not going to be the most powerful man in the world. You're not going to be the smartest man. You're not going to be the most important. Like, that is, and even if you are, it's for a limited time. So, like, in each, Mm -hmm. each time he gets what he wants, but what he wants also has stipulations. And he doesn't think about, like the trials that a person like that insert whichever character would have to deal with mm-hmm. is all he's thinking about is Allison. And in each version, Allison figures out a way to leave him either because they're sexually incompatible or she doesn't care about him morally or she's, so, or he's so sensitive that she just wants the exact opposite of him. Or, or he opposed slavery and uh, earned the ire of an entire generation of racist Southerners. Or she sees his dick and immediately doesn't <laughs> want to talk to him. Yes, anymore. those happen in the same film. Those happen. <laughs> those two things happen in the same film. Yes, to the same character. <laughs> and his final wish is wishing that she had a happy life, and that wish is the loophole that allows him to go back to his life. And then he does what he should have done the entire time. He asks out Allison. She says no. And then he's immediately rewarded by running into a woman who looks just like Allison that he actually has something in common with. My, If I were going to have a single issue with this film, the main one would be is that we don't find out what he likes and what she likes and why exactly they're incompatible. Mm-hmm. Because Allison is kind of like a stand-in for a top-shelf woman. You know, the kind of woman that you obsess over. Kind of like, um, there's a perfect deconstruction of this in the John Hughes, Howard Deutsch film, Some Kind of Wonderful, where the the working-class boy falls in love with the rich girl, and he finds out that, like, she's not actually rich. She just... Like got in with all of the rich people, but her like her standing and so in, in her social life is contingent upon her being with the rich boy. And once she's interested in him, her popularity is in jeopardy and she has to make a choice. He also learns that he doesn't know anything about her and he just wants her because she's the popular girl. And once he gets exactly what he wants, he doesn't want it anymore, yeah. which is. I mean, essentially the journey of this movie, but um, done in kind of a roundabout way because Allison is really just like a stand in for what he thinks he deserves, like kind of like a like a the figure. obscure object of desire. Yeah. Of, and also a signifier of his self-worth. He mm-hmm. People don't like him, and he thinks that if he gets to have sex with Allison, that will be the key to people liking him. And in the end, he learns that the people that he wants to be friends with suck, and that he has nothing in common with Allison, and that none of these things matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the basic message behind all Wish stories. 
um, you will get what you wish for, and your punishment is getting what you once wanted. Yeah, I was thinking a lot about, like, the bad version of this movie is a little movie called North. Have you seen North? <laughs> Which is also directed by Rob Reiner. I mentioned Rob Reiner earlier in doing When Harry Met Sally, but he also directed North, which yep. is a story about a kid who decides that he doesn't want his parents. His parents are played by Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Jason Alexander, and he doesn't want them. Yeah. <laughs> which is ridiculous yes, to me. Yes, uh, I've seen the Duke Wooker um review of that movie oh i've actually seen the movie now okay um and so it's just him getting all these like different kinds of parents and then he just ends up back with his regular parents and he just realizes that he just didn't appreciate them and brendan fraser kind of figures out that he doesn't appreciate himself and that's why he would rather debase himself by talking to a woman that does not know that he exists instead of just like chilling the fuck out Uh uh-huh have you ever had an experience like that? Um, I'd have to go back to high school, which I really don't want to do. Wait, aside from me, have you ever pursued a woman as an adult? Pursued? Yes, like pursued, like you pursued me. Um, I didn't think I was pursuing you. I thought it was, you know, I don't know. I mean, it was mutual, but there was still a sense of pursuit. You were wooing me. You wooed me. Have you wooed any other women as an adult? I haven't. The I don't. I don't try. I don't think. So the answer is no. No. <laughs> it's just me. Yeah, I don't like active actively go out to woo. Um, I don't know how that honey, works, honey. What? You did a lot of like very, very romantic shit. What are you talking about? I don't know. It's just <laughs> like you told me that you loved me right when I had gotten off stage when I was performing comedy. Like I came off stage and you just whispered in my ear, I love you. Like that's that is a dude that is like trying to be romantic. I did that because I meant it, honey. I wasn't trying to do anything. I was trying to say how I felt. I'm not I'm not saying that wooing or pursuing somebody is wrong. I no. think you just think of it as something that is wrong. I guess I do. I um <laughs> I don't know. I, I I mean, this has been another episode of Kyle deals with masculinity. Yes. <laughs> This ongoing series. This ongoing. Of, this of, is another episode in our ongoing series of me asking Kyle about his masculinity and him getting flustered. Jody asks Kyle, "Hey, why don't you conform to the ideas of masculinity?" No, that I don't I have? say conform. I just want you to have an opinion. I, 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 I'm not. I'm not asking you to conform. No, I just asked for you to have an opinion. I, I want to have an opinion. I just don't. <laughs> it's hard to look outside of it and, you know, look at it neutrally because I am this thing that, you know, blah de blah This thing that um, I don't understand. Uh, um, would it help if I told you my wishes? What I would wish? Uh, if you had seven wishes? If I had seven wishes. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. I would wish to be 135 pounds, not a pound more. I would wish to be five foot seven. 
Um, mm-hmm. I would wish to have long, long hair, long curly, like one of those like fancy froze that you always see in the Shea Moisture um, <laughs> ads. So that's three. Um, I would wish to have smaller feet because I currently wear a size 10 to 11. I'd wish for a size seven feet, which is like normal, like six or seven. So that's four. Um, I would wish to not need glasses that's five i'd wish to have a uh, have a face with more dimension that's six um i would wish that i could sing really well that's seven Hmm. seven wishes in exchange for my soul yeah for the devil okay Hmm. but you see i could just have them all be all selfless wishes and get out of hell. Then again, if they were all selfless wishes, uh, would the devil still grant them? Or would the or the contract be uh, void after the first selfless wish? Because I could just have all seven be, you know, I wish the world um, had a fair economic system all around. I wish... I wish for an end to human trafficking and um, climate change and all that stuff. Decriminalization of sex work. Decriminalization of sex work. The abolition of the prison system. Uh, Just any number of things. But, hmm. I don't know. It just, this kind of story seems like more suitable for, I don't know, a teenager. Like, because he wishes for, you know, such young, young guy stuff, you know, I want to be rich and powerful and the, he has very but, basic universal wishes, which I guess is like to appeal I to mean, a mass I mean, I would argue that as much as it is like young guy stuff when you're in your right mind, um, but, and I almost never mention this man, but, like, think about Trump. Think about all of those people in politics. Think about what they want. Like, Trump, it's very funny that he's orange, but him being orange comes from a feeling that his pale face isn't good enough or isn't attractive enough. Yeah. And when I see his face, I don't think that's funny. I think that's really sad that he feels like he needs to do that. Like, I don't feel sad for Trump, but I feel sad for like, I feel sad for the Jersey Shore boys that they think that they have to be orange when I don't think that they do. Hmm. Like, I feel I feel bad for Ariana Grande because of all the tanner that she puts on. Like, these things are silly and they're easy to make fun of, but they come from a sense of insecurity. And I think that this insecurity doesn't actually die when you're an adult. It just becomes less um, socially acceptable to feel it, which is why these people are mocked so mercilessly for appearing orange because Mm -hmm. it's like, didn't you get over this in high school? And the answer is no. A lot of people don't get over what they, what they were obsessed with in high school. A lot of people don't go to therapy or go to therapy and like, don't learn something on purpose. And what we have found is that a lot of people, especially politicians have a mindset in which they are still in high school. Yeah. Very true. And I've been thinking about that a lot lately Um, because like I I tried to write a lot of political jokes back when I was in grad school and I got kind of tired of it because 
every political joke just made me sad because these people are like sad people. Like I remember in high school, there was a joke about Taylor Swift that Taylor Swift um, was always writing songs about other people because she was, wasn't cool in high school. I had some, I was friends with some cheerleaders and they were just like, you know, that she was a dork in high school. I'm like, hmm. that's a joke, but it's probably true. And it probably like Taylor Swift is one of those people where I constantly feel like she still feels like she has so much to prove and mm-hmm. she doesn't realize that she doesn't have anything to prove anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I would consider that we are both too mature people, but I do think that there are adults that need a movie like Bedazzled. And I also would wager to say that the reason why it was so mercilessly mocked when it came out is because no adult person and most film critics are men. So I can say that most adult men probably don't think of themselves as a person who needs to learn this lesson. And they're Mm. kind of, and they feel condescended to by the presentation and the message. But I think a lot of the time people hate movies because it reveals truth about themselves and they hate it, especially in comedies because comedies are supposed to be fun and they Mm -hmm. don't want, they don't want a dumb comedy to have something smart to say about them, which is also why I think a lot of men hate rom-coms because it reveals a lot of like issues with men, their communication problems. They're kind of like bumblingness. The fact that they're kind of like stuck in their own heads, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that. Like men don't want to, admit that they're like that or that they have any of those qualities and i think it leads to a rejection of these things and i think it's much easier to watch movies like marvel movies or like indiana jones movies because these are men who you know take charge and they are framed as heroic instead of bumbling and it's you know it's hard to associate being bumbling and heroic in the same character, although there are writers that can do that. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. I'm not ever trying to put you on the spot. I do think, though, that, like, you're way too hard on yourself as opposed to saying the wrong thing. You very rarely do that, and when you do, it's usually, like, not i think that you have enough self-awareness to where i don't think that you would say something stupid on mic like (laughs) okay that's just my personal opinion so i just want you to be comfortable and i want you to also know that the bad romance audience is very understanding if you did say the wrong thing uh okay okay i hope that y'all all agree with me okay I mean, romances, whether they're good or bad, are mostly based on just, like, regular human error. (laughs) Very true. So, this has been probably the most intellectual discussion on the 2000 film (laughs) Bedazzled that has ever existed. Which is what I want to do. I didn't want to just make fun of it because I think that's easy. And I think for a movie like this, I would rather go deeper, if that's okay with you. That's perfectly okay. So, this has been the Bad Romance Podcast. Um, 
you can listen to us on all the apps. And once again, if we're not on an app that you need, please let us know. Send us an email. You can give us a five-star review on iTunes, and we urge you to do that. Um, our theme song is sung by Clutch Douglas. We are still in quarantine mode, so I'm doing a lot of episodes with Kyle Bronner, and I've been talking about trying to do, like, a recording an episode through Zoom so that y'all can hear from her during this quarantine. We need to work on the specifics of that. But till then, it's, like, me and Kyle. Yeah, you're stuck with me, unfortunately. <laughs> um, I do have things to say, but <sighs> I wish, I wish I could say them. I wish I could verbalize them. It's not that I, I have feelings, I just don't have words, if that That's makes okay. sense. That's okay. And I mean, you're the more that you podcast, the better that you'll get at it, mm-hmm. you know? Okay, you know what I feel? What? I feel that Ren and Fraser needs to be back in blockbuster movies. Yes, I, I want that too. Come back, Brandon Fraser. We, we love miss you, you, Brandon. We love you, Brandon. You went to my high school briefly, and we talked a lot about you. Aww. So please take care of yourself. Cook something nice or bake something nice for yourself. And, you know, hopefully we're going to get through this together. Love mm-hmm. you. I'm Jordan. I'm Kyle. Bye. Bye. Yeah, back it up, back it up. Let's go this truck. Yeah, back it up.